I was always very modest, really didn't think of myself as being particularly smart or unusual. I just thought I was more interested in certain topics than other people, but that sometimes I find a technical subject just becomes absolutely fascinating to me. I can't think about anything else. When you learn a new computer technology, you can immediately put it to work by writing software and be able to do things you couldn't do before. That I'm amazingly productive during these times. I can write amount of software programs that would take a normal person months and months to write and I can just do it in a few days because I'm so excited and driven and obsessed with it. It's always been something unique that I've had. That was a lot of what has made me decide to work with computers because that is what I have done throughout my career. She is so amazing when it comes to just the brilliance that gets spoken. You get a good sense that she has the best intentions whenever she's developing or creating things. One of the fascinating things, just spending time with her that I found out was that she has a lot of original and just thought-provoking ideas when it comes to lightning, when it comes to Bitcoin, that I don't think I've ever heard anybody else say. I really found her to be quite fascinating as a person. When you hear her story, you can tell that she's had this journey and um, she's very much, you know, a traveler at heart. Blockstream's really lucky to have her and I think they know that. But I will say, she's bringing the lightning and thunder into this ecosystem. And she's an unstoppable force when she gets to developing what she wants. Go! given like how long it takes the packets to go back and forth like it really is like I, and I really don't think that we like have one I don't think we're used to like understanding exactly how limited these like payment card and like payment methods have like kind of been restricting a certain amount of like international trade to some extent this is like international like frictionless instant transfer of value across time and space in a very fast way. Like, 
the whole remittance business, like, that's like 10 years away from being like just completely gone, you know? And when you start to think about that, Bitcoin is like the denomination for like an international payment rail system. Like, I feel like that makes it just even more valuable than like it is today, right? So like buying Bitcoin now is like buying a part of like this like payment rail system that I, I think has a strong chance of like existing and being like really the future of how like value gets communicated around the world and shared. Um, so by holding Bitcoin, you're really like holding on to like a part of what's going to become like a great big payment system and it gives you the ability to transact in this payment system. Yeah, I don't think that that's like, I don't think that we've realized that potential quite yet. I don't know what it's going to be like when we do. Um, but I think like, yeah, I think lightning, yeah, I think things are like definitely going to start changing. What did you do as like a teenager? I don't remember. I don't know, man. I like. Were you into computers though, or were you like into the internet? Or like... I was into the internet. I was like, I was into AIM. I was into talking to people. So like, what did I do on a computer as like a teenager? It was basically like, it's like what you're asking me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 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 did did you find computers right away? Like, did you like? I know for me, like, I went to the library during my lunch breaks in high school. That's how I found computers, like through reading. But like. How did you find computers? Oh, so I grew up with a computer at home. My mom actually, so my mom and my, well, my mom was a computer scientist in like the late 70s, early 90s at Texas A&M. She was like in the computer engineering department. Um, she didn't end up graduating with it. She ended up getting an electrical engineering degree because the hours that she could use like the mainframe were like super late at night and she just like couldn't do it at some point anymore. Yeah, so my parents actually met waiting in line to run their punch cards through the machine. Yeah, so like as a kid, we had a computer at home. It was like my mom's computer and she had like, we had like games. Like I think there was like one of our favorite games like growing up was this like Mother Goose game um, that ran on this like super old, I think it was a DOS. We had like Microsoft DOS, whatever, um, that I think one of her classmates had written. I don't know if it was a super popular game or whatever. I just know like one of my mom's classmates had it. So we had like floppies at home and I really like playing with like the paper and stuff. So we like always had a computer at the house. I did not learn how to do anything on it or how to program or any of that stuff. Um, I think my mom taught us like, at some point my mom was webmaster for the local library. We live in like a small town in East Texas. Like my dad works in a refinery. So I'm like an oil, oil and gas child. Um, yeah, but uh, but she like worked anyway. So she was like the webmaster for the library and did like CSS stuff and set up like the first, I think she set up the first like website. For That's the, so like, cool, dude. Like your mom was like a pioneer. Yeah, like, she was. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. For web websites in like the late 90s, mid to late 90s. Right the time, like, in like in small amazing. town, Texas. Yeah. Out on like the east, east side. We were like 30 minutes from Louisiana. So like. And then so Texas. what did you what, like, like. How did you find your way down yeah, that down so, that thing? Like, I mean, like, so as a teenager, I spent a lot of time on the computer, but I was like either writing on my blog or talking to people on AIM. I didn't actually like do much like on the internet other than like trying to be on AIM all the time. I don't even know who I was talking to, just randos. What like, wait, 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 what? So I remember like getting an AOL disc. Is that what you're talking about? Like when you would get an AOL disc? We didn't even have AOL. I just downloaded like the .exe. We didn't have oh. AOL. Oh, I'm really old then. So like, we, I remember getting like the AOL disc. Yeah, my friends had AOL. Yeah, and then like downloading into Messenger. But my and parents then, like, didn't want to pay for and, like, it. Talk. No, I wasn't in chat rooms. Oh, so how did you meet people on AOL? I have no idea. I do not remember how I met these people. That's I think weird. they were like friends of friends or like I would meet Wait, did friends you have in. Trillion? Wasn't it called Trillion? I did not have Trillion. I just had like the aim.exe. I don't know where we got it from. I don't remember. <laughs> Maybe there was a thing. At some point, my parents like banned me for, I like wasn't allowed to be on AIM. So I was like. You got addicted to AIM? Yeah, yeah. And I like, I had it like hidden in like, I had it like. Hidden in the control panel or something? 
would like go digging through like system folders and draw like to hide the exe like in like a folder now is that i'm like a like professional computer user i'm like oh you could just do find and like hunt for it um yeah i have no idea man i don't even know that's amazing yeah i was like a weirdo i like had a zanga so i would like write on my blog but I like, I'm the sort of, yeah, I had like two Zangas. I had like my public Zanga and then my private Zanga that I like hide like emo poetry on. And like That's cool though. Yeah, I mean like cool. the fact that you were like into computers but you found your own kind of I was into internet like chats really I think is the real like I mean like me I used to have like a this is super dorky but I used to have like a Dragon Ball Z website that was like oh wow you had like a whole website though wow that was like the first thing I ever built like was a Dragon Ball Z website but it just it just like yeah but it was just like a fan (laughs) that's cool I don't even think I like I knew how to like do HTML and CSS pages but my mom never taught like my mom didn't teach me like what a um like a web server is or like how web pages work or any of that like I ended up having to learn I didn't actually like do any programming in high school either or any of that like my sister was older than me and she kind of like we're very close in age so we had like a little bit of a rivalry and so she like ended up doing all the like AP like advanced placement um science classes so she did like AP biology and AP physics and she did AP computer science and that was like her thing and she went to college Texas A&M and did like mechanical engineering and she was an engineer like both my parents were engineers that went to Texas A&M my older sister was an engineer at Texas A&M and I like did not do any of those things. I like, I did like the AP, I did like Spanish and Portuguese. I took the photography class. I like, so when I went to college, I ended up going to University of Texas. Which, oh, UT, right? Yeah, yeah UT. cool. Which if you know anything about Texas, like university politics, um, the, there's like a really big rivalry between Texas A&M and UT yeah. or more like a and I used to work at UT, so yeah. Yeah, but I think A&M has a lot stronger. The rivalry is definitely stronger on the A&M side than the UT side. No one's better than UT. Yeah, and UT doesn't even question it ever. Yeah, we don't even question it. Yeah, no. yeah. Whereas like, you know, having two Aggie parents, my mom was very upset about the fact that I was going to the University of Texas. Wow, like, that must have... What is it like on football days did y'all ever do they get it's not really a thing it's not really a thing but um yeah but my uh i don't know and my dad gave me a lot of shit for not going into engineering um because i ended up going into business and liberal arts i did like yeah i did like business and liberal arts at ut so definitely like went the complete other way but i still managed to find my way back to like computer programming anyway how like how yeah so like in college the first programming class i took so i did management information systems in the business school um, and one of the, the very first class I had to take for that was a database class, and I loved it. It was so much fun. <laughs> it was just like learning how SQL works and learning about like data normalization stuff and how to like build like normalized tables and stuff. I don't know. I was like way into it. I was like, this is so much fun. So then I started taking a few more classes. So I did like that's like kind of like app development. It's like very like a application, and it's all like Microsoft.net stuff because it's a business school in Texas. So it was like all all that net stuff and I like had friends in the computer science department that I would always be like sort of in awe in like oh wow you like do cool hardcore computer science stuff like I could never do that like whatever whatever like so cool that you do that though um yeah so I didn't really take any classes in like any programming classes in college that were like lower level or anything it was all just like app level stuff and ended up teaching myself Android programming. Oh, really? For fun. Yeah, because I wanted to build an app for, I lived in Sao Paulo, and I wanted to build an app that would I could use on the subway. It's like a subway app. I didn't even have an Android phone. I don't even know what I was doing. I had like this tiny little netbook. This was like back in the day where you could spend $300 and get like a little bitty computer with like a keyboard and like a little, look like a clamshell thing. Yeah, those so were awesome. Yeah. That was supposed to be like the next big thing. And then I think, I think the MacBook Air the came MacBook out. The MacBook Air came out and killed yeah. it. Yeah, but I had one of those. And so like I had that in Brazil with me that I was traveling around with. And um, I started learning Android on that, which like the compile time like took forever. Anyways, but I was like, I didn't have a phone. I was just running like emulators on my little like like clamshell thing, teaching myself Android because I wanted to build like a little app that would let me like see the subway on a phone. Then I didn't even have I didn't even have a smartphone. I did not even have an Android phone. I just knew that like Apple phones were really expensive. Anyways, whatever. I was a weirdo. But yeah, so I was writing this like Android app. Anyways. So I started working on the Android app and then I decided I wanted to try and like finish it. So I found this program in New York that was called Hacker School at the time. 
I was like, come up for three months and work on whatever you want. And at the end of it, we'll try and find you a job. And then if you get a job through us, they'll pay us for the time you spent here. Cool. So it's like totally free. Um, I managed to get into it. This is like back in like 2012. And I didn't end up finishing my app. I ended up getting really distracted, learning a lot of other things about computers, <laughs> like what a server actually is and how like websites work. And I like, built my first website and like awesome. in Django and like did like, you know, like a lot of little silly stuff and like tried to finish my Android app and get super far. But I ended up getting hired out of that as a software developer. I went and worked as an Android dev for a couple years in New York at a big company. And then, um, yeah, I was an Android dev for about four or five years. Yeah, so that's kind of how I got into programming. That's Way amazing. The yeah, that's amazing. College, yeah. So what is your what what do your parents think like now? Because dude, they don't know. They have no idea. No. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't. I don't think my mom. I don't think my mom knows what I do, really. I think what? she knows I work really? in Bitcoin, that that doesn't really like mean anything to her. Yeah. Does she know, like you're literally, like she, you're literally doing, like almost following, like in her same footsteps in a way. When she was, I guess so. Yeah. It's very similar path. Yeah, but yeah. Wow. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. That's think, interesting. Yeah, she never asked what I'm up to or what I'm doing. When the sun goes down on my side of town. A lonesome feeling comes to my door And the whole world turns blue There's a rundown bar across the railroad tracks Got a table for two way back Where I sit alone of you I spend most of night beneath the light of a neon moon If you lose you We had to sit on the tarmac for an hour. Why? Because the traffic airspace above Dallas was too crowded, so they like made us wait for an hour so that we could arrive when there would be like space for our plane to land. So what do they do when that happens? They just like fly around in a circle? Well, we didn't take off. Oh, snap. At on the airport for an hour. When did you fly in today? Yesterday. Okay. Last night, yeah. I, came, I went to the dinner last night. What did you, you think about the honky-tonk thing? Great. I wish I had danced. I actually, like, signed up so that I could go dancing and then, like, got there and, like, ended up talking to people. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I've been in... I know so many people at these things now that, like, when I come up for conferences, it's hard to meet new people sometimes. It's a lot of fun. They're super fun. It's been really good. It's really, really fun. It's really fun to see all the people that I've met over all the years and get to see them again and find out what people are working on now and how that's kind of changed. If you lose, you So how did you find Bitcoin or how did Bitcoin find you or how did that, how did that? Yeah, I think I first heard about Bitcoin through friends that I knew that went through hacker school. Like I like, I never actually knew it was a thing I could like go look into and like investigate for myself, so to speak. It was kind of like in college, how like your friends would tell you about all the stuff they were doing in comp sci and I'd be like, oh wow, that's so cool, tell me more. But I didn't actually go and take any comp sci classes. So I heard about Bitcoin from like the technology perspective and I had a pretty good understanding about how Bitcoin mining worked. Um, just based on what friends had told me about it. I had like seen them use Bitcoin like on the dark web and stuff. So like I definitely had like exposure to it, but I didn't actually like get into it until I got hired to work at um, a company that ha was doing Bitcoin stuff. 
So I went and because I had done some Android stuff and I knew some of the Android team that worked on the cash app at Square, when I was looking to move out of Android stuff, I got in touch with them to try and get a job. And one of the teams that they had open positions for was their Bitcoin custodian wallet cool. for the cash app. Yeah, that's and, really cool. Yeah, so their backend's all in Java, and I know Java from Android. So I went to work on the Bitcoin backend. I just needed to learn Bitcoin. Um, yeah, so that's how I got into it, and that's how I started to learn about Bitcoin as I was working on like a big custodial wallet application. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. At Square, it was fun. Square's great. Wow. I really like my friends that work there. They're still, I think they're still there. They're great. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Did you ever meet Jack? Yeah, I got to meet Jack. What is he like? He's very quiet. Um, He's smart. I don't know. He's kind of like hard to get a read on, but I think he does that on purpose. Oh, interesting. Not on purpose, but I think he's just hard to get a read on. He's just hard to get a read on? That's interesting. Yeah. He he looks fascinating. There's like a new, when you you join Square, they do like a new person orientation and part of it is a QA and a with Jack. So everyone gets to like go, well, like as a group, as a class. Oh, okay. I was like, wow, one-on-one. That's cool. It's like a class cohort thing. I think, I don't know, I just like, I guess I bring it up. I asked him a question and I, it was funny because I could tell he like liked my question. I don't know, it was weird. Um, my question was like, you like run two companies, like how does that work? And he, I don't know, it was fun. It was like an opportunity for him to talk about how cool it was that he was like the only person that runs like two Fortune whatever X companies. Because yeah. uh, as far as I know, there's no one else that does that. I think he's the only CEO that like runs two Fortune 500 companies. Yeah, he's pretty brilliant. Yeah, and I think that's really cool. So it was kind of fun. It was like fun to see him smile when he got the question and like that's awesome. opportunity to talk about something he's pretty proud of, I think. That's amazing. Yeah, Do you think you ever run your own company one day? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so, no. I really like um, I really like the job that I have right now, and part of what I like about it is that I get to work with really smart people on really fun projects and have a lot of autonomy on my projects, and I don't really have to worry about being responsible for other people's projects or like the work other people <laughs> are putting out. That's a really nice feeling. Yeah, I think it's more fun to find cool people to work with and then see what they're up to and like go work on that than, I don't know. At least in this phase of my career. Yeah, for sure. So uh, tell me a little bit about um, like just like your lightning journey. I know you you're writing all sorts of things on lightning that I read that are just above my head. (laughs) (laughs) And um, are there any kind of projects that you see out there like in like that are just getting created where you're just like, do you have time to do that? Do you ever have time to like Talk, look at stuff like that that's open source that people are creating out there in the lightning? I haven't really, I'm gonna be honest, I haven't really spent a lot of time looking at stuff that people have been building. In some ways it kind of feels like when I was in high school and on AIM, I just really stuck, like there was a lot of stuff I think going on on the internet in the 90s, like on AOL and like bigger chat groups and like kind of like more things people were getting into, but I was really just in like the DMs, like. So you're just like hyper-focused. Like chatting with people in like more like one-on-one sort of situations. And like, I kind of think that my way of like doing lightning sort of resembles that more in some ways, if that makes sense. And that like, I'm not, I don't really always feel like I know what's like going on in like the tidewaters of the general lightning, like ecosystem. Um, I'm really just kind of more focused on like, I don't know what I'm up to and what like, what I'm working on and stuff that's more like right in front of my face kind of like that's interesting yeah so I yeah I mean I have a lightning wallet I run a lightning node and like yeah uh sometimes I buy things on lightning but not that I feel like I bought more things in lightning back in 2018 when I was first getting started and trying it out like oh my god I bought the cutest like <laughs> I bought the cutest um it's not really I don't know it's just this like little led light that looks like a um it looks like a neon sign that's in a lightning bolt shape. And I bought it that's using cool. light, using lightning um, from like some player in China. And it was just such a, it was a really incredible experience because you like, the website was like clearly like, I'm gonna call it like deep China, whatever that means. What does that mean? Yeah, but like, when's the last time you like, Oh, you mean like, oh, you mean like, like it was an actual, website. oh, it was a Chinese like, website. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. The website that was clearly run by some company that was like gotcha. in China. And like normally like, you wouldn't want to know how to find these websites because like clearly people sell things online in China on Chinese like online shops, right? Yeah. And it's just like not something I ever They had do. lightning? Exactly. Yeah. I found it through some like they were like light it was like they accepted lightning and so like you could buy shit from them with lightning. That's cool. 
yeah and so it was like it was really cool because like i sent and then when it arrived it like clearly came like had like you know the postal stamps like from china or whatever yeah and it was like i was like oh wow this is like and that like that was kind of like a good hint of like oh like not having to like have a credit card network that works in china i can just like pay them with lightning like that is like really wild it is like at that point like the because like i mean I don't think we realize how much like payment systems sort of like dictate the like bounds of trade that we're able to engage in as like a global community, so to speak. Like, you know, Visa has done a really good job of trying to like erase borders on internationalism and it like mostly works, but I definitely like ran into some problems with like Visa card network not working when I like lived in Brazil for a while in college. Like, um, it's definitely like not super like it's accessible but it's 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 not as like universal it's not universal like so my payment card doesn't work everywhere it works most places um and like that kind of becomes a problem for like online payment processing right like right. you can only really use your credit cards like sometimes like uh like i don't know if you want to buy something from like an australian website like are they going to be able to accept your payment card like maybe not like a lot of countries don't even have credit cards so like um, I think like Germany, it's not very common to have a credit card. Like usually most people do online payments using like bank info. Like you fill in like your bank with like whatever withdrawal info. So they can like do a pay directly from your bank account. Um, and payment cards just aren't that. So like if you're a German and you want to like check out on Amazon.com from the US and get them to ship you something, like you can't really do that. Cause like the payment networks like become a limiting like factor on, well, on internet trade, right? But like Bitcoin doesn't have that. Like Lightning like doesn't have that. Like you can open a channel with like any node anywhere in the world and like minus like a little bit of latency given like how long it takes the packets to go back and forth. Like it really is like, I, and I really don't think that we like have, one, I don't think we're used to like understanding exactly how limited these like payment card and like payment methods have like kind of been restricting a certain amount of like international trade to some extent. Um, yeah, I don't think that that's like, I don't think that we've realized that potential quite yet. I don't know what it's gonna be like when we do. Um, but I think like, yeah, I think Lightning, yeah, I think things are like definitely going to start changing. And I think like Strike is like kind of on the forefront of that right now. They just announced that, or was it Strike? Yeah. Someone just went to Ghana. Oh, no. I thought you were talking about El Salvador. In Ghana? No, there's just a thing. Like, I feel like there was, I saw like Lightning Labs was like talking about like someone, there's like an exchange or like some depository in Ghana is now like taking Lightning payments. Oh, nice. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. I think shit's going to get, not weird, but like. When you start thinking about how like Lightning is a payment rails network and what that means, like I think like Bitcoiners don't like Bitcoin. When you talk about Bitcoin, you talk about store of value, you talk about savings technology, you talk about number go up, you talk about like um, you know taking the time and energy and effort and work that you've been doing now and today and putting it into an asset that's going to like preserve that energy and effort that you've made in the world today in such a way that that has like a lasting impact and value for your own life right um and that's by like holding bitcoin so that's, i feel like that's like a lot of the dialogue around why bitcoin why do you save in bitcoin like um you know you hold on to something that's like valuable i think like the the story that's not being told about lightning <laughs> uh but tr people are trying but i haven't really like seen like um I feel like I haven't really seen uh, like people really glom onto this fact, so to speak, is like, no, no, this is like, this is like pay, I mean, Bitcoin is also this, but like, you don't really hear about it. It's like, no, this is like payment rails. This is like international, like frictionless, instant transfer of value across time and space in a very fast way. Like the whole remittance business, like that's like 10 years away from being like just completely gone you know and when you start to think about that it makes like so when you start to think about bitcoin as like when you buy bitcoin like yeah it's like a store of value and it's something that you're holding on to as like a, a thing that you've like put value in or whatever but when you start to realize that bitcoin is like the denomination for like an international payment rail system like i feel like that makes it just even more valuable than like it is today right 
So like sure. buying Bitcoin now is like buying a part of like this like payment rail system that I I think has a strong chance of like existing and being like really the future of how like value gets communicated around the world and shared. Um, so by holding Bitcoin, you're really like holding onto like a part of what's gonna become like a great big payment system and it gives you the ability to transact in this payment system. It all works out. That's what I say out loud when I'm the one giving advice to you. But as you tell me. I was gonna ask you like, so tell me about like lightning, like was it like working on lightning like day to day and like was it like working at Blockstream? Like two of those things, right? But like at the same time, like that's a big deal. <laughs> at least at least for I think for for like a, a person who just watches the space and like covers it, from my perspective, like that's pretty cool. Right? Yeah, it is pretty cool. I guess like the day to day of it is well, so Blockstream's a very remote company. Um, so a lot of it is just me sitting at home on my computer <laughs> uh, from like the day-to-day -day stuff. Um, I hang out with like some of my coworkers a few times a week, but most of it's just like working on different projects and stuff at home, um, which is kind of nice. Like I like how chill it is. Um, I guess like in the broader sense, it's really nice to go to events because everyone sort of like, knows who you are and is excited to see you there it's like in the broader sense of like working on stuff so it's really fun because like when people when you show up people like want to hear what you've been working on or what you have to say about stuff and as like i'm kind of more introverted i think i think you kind of have to be to be into working on 
a remote job at home, you know, like on your computer for most of the day. Um, it's fun to have a, like, when you come out to like conferences and stuff, it's really fun to have like a, a solid concrete object that you can talk to people about and like tell them about what you've been working on and stuff. So that's been really good. Um, I guess like, I mean, so I've been at Blockstream since 2018 now and pretty much most of my time there, it'll be three years in September. So in a few weeks from now, and most of my time at um, Blockstream, I've been working on this like one project or working towards, I should say, like a single project. And we just released it at the beginning of the month, um, which is pretty exciting. So it's been really kind of cool to like finally get that out in the world and be able to like, uh, when I'm working on like a project, it's not that I don't want to like talk about it externally so much. People kind of know that that's what I was working on. So it wasn't like it was a big secret, but it's definitely like not something that I want to like spend a lot of time telling people that I'm going to do. Um, so it's definitely kind of been like a thing. It's really, it's been nice now because I can like finally feel like I can talk about it and tell people this is what I've done and this is why it's cool and this is what I like about it. And what's really fun about that then is that when the first time that they're hearing about it, you can also be like, well, it's really cool because you can go and use it today, right? Like this isn't something that like, is going to exist. It's something that already exists today and you can use it and here's how it works. Um, here, let me like show you like all the stuff and stuff. So um, I think that's like something like part, you know, you kind of ask like, what's it like working at Blockstream? Like one of the things that we as like a team really try to do is make it such that you don't hear about stuff from us until it's like a reality. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Do they do that purposely? Yeah, we don't believe in, it's like no vaporware. So there's no like, I think it makes it hard to sell stuff. So I think a lot of like crypto projects and maybe just projects in general, especially when you're like fundraising and like the VC space and stuff, um, you make a lot of money selling promises and expectations. So like, I mean, I was talking with some friends over lunch about like the Cybertruck project at Tesla. Oh um, yeah, that's totally vaporware, right? Is it? I mean, they're building the factory, but yeah, like- Did they break the glass though? Like uh, when he introduced it? Yeah, but right, exactly. It doesn't right. exist yet, is my point. And I yeah. like paid them like $100. Well, I couldn't find my ticket in my email. I hope, I, like, so we were <laughs> trying to like compare order numbers and I couldn't find my ticket. And I was like, oh no, I'm sure it's in there somewhere. I'm gonna go look for it later. I don't know where it is. Um, but I, I thought I made a reservation for a Cybertruck. Um, but anyways, that's like, I think that's like a really good illustration of what like vaporware looks like. Like I paid them $100 for something, for a, for a dream, for like a vision that they trotted out across the screen, right? And like then, as you said, like broke the glass on kind of thing, right? Like it doesn't actually exist. And like, weren't there like not review mirrors? It's like, okay, how are they not gonna have review mirrors? Like, anyway, so like that's, I think the Cybertruck is kind of a good illustration of like a vaporware launch. It's not something you can like actually go and get. Whereas at Blockstream, we try really hard and I think we've been done a really good job. And I think it's actually kind of hurt some of our like, uh, like hype is easy to sell, I think. Hype is really easy to sell. People like buying dreams. And the reality usually never really measures up to the dream that you get sold. Like I think this was like, you see this in like political campaigns, you see it in like Cybertruck stuff, you see it in, I feel like there was another really good example. Disney? Yeah, maybe Disney, I don't know. But like you buy, like you, people, people will like, or like, you know, like a stock that hasn't even launched yet and everyone's like trying to get a part of it before the IPO, like IPO, the IPO pop thing. Like when a company IPOs, it like goes super high and then it crashes for a while. And then maybe it'll start to trickle up. Maybe it stays down low forever. Um, but people like like, people really like like hype and people like buying into hype. And it's really exciting to buy into the promise of a thing. Um, but by not selling hype, you like really make your job a lot harder in terms of like adoption and um, reality. Cause then like, you know, when you show up and you're like, hey, like listen to this really cool thing I have and like here it actually like exists. Like one that's super powerful because then it's like, oh yeah, this like technology is here today and you can use it and here's how it works. Like we're not talking about some future that might exist. We're talking about like what actually exists today and that's really cool. Um, but I think like I was saying, it definitely makes like your project a little harder. Like, you know, for a couple of years now, I just like haven't really had anything to talk about, about like, I mean, there were some things I could kind of talk about with people, like tell them sort of what I was working on. But um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. So yeah. I like working at Blackstream, I think that's definitely like no vaporware. That's such a great analogy that you hit on. I never, never noticed that, like that, that Blockstream does that. But it makes sense. Like, 
Yeah, but I really don't think. I mean, so the, I think we we did announce that we acquired an ASIC manufacturer. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was just a PR release, though. But like, yeah. uh, so but like, wanted... but when you did the, the the satellite thing, that was like fully fledged. Yeah. Here we go. Here's the satellite. Um, yeah. So yeah, you're right. Y'all do do that. Yeah. Why? Why did? Why? Why don't? Yeah, I never realized that. <laughs> has 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 Samson ever actually said that in public? No, I don't know that he, I don't know if he has. I don't know. Samson, you need to say that in public, dude. Like, that's, this is what we want to write about. Like, now that I know that, now I can actually write about why they don't, like what you just said. Like, now I can start saying that publicly for them. Yeah, um, that would be awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I think maybe different parts of the company are a little bit different on how they approach it. We, I think as, as a whole, we really do try to only talk about things that like we've done or doing. Stuff that gets shipped. Yeah, yes. ship stuff. Exactly. We try and talk about stuff that we ship. So like uh, one of our big projects on Lightning, uh, my coworker Christian Decker has been working on this project called Greenlight for a long time. Uh, we just launched it a few weeks ago also. Man, a lot of really exciting stuff. Yeah, I know. Like, it sounds like it. We've been busy. Um, we've been working real hard. Um, yeah, so his stuff just came out and he, um, yeah, so like, you didn't hear about Greenlight until it's here and it's actually working and there's like, you know, we have customers or we're like trying to sign people up and like when and where we were going to announce that, you know, it was kind of like waiting until it was like a thing. We didn't say we're going to do this thing. It was like, okay, we've like done this thing and here's the people that are like, we're onboarding to it. Yeah. I think like. I think, okay, so like Liquid's really cool. It was like, so I don't think Liquid gets enough credit for how cool it is. And it. Why is that? I think that like, why is it? So Liquid was the first sidechain. Like Liquid was the first launch sidechain that actually works and can actually like do stuff on. It's got peg ins, peg outs. Like Ethereum has like some now. And I feel like at some point, Lightning is going to look a lot like, I think you're going to be a lot more sidechain like things in Lightning. And like at some point, there's gonna be kind of this like weird kind of gradient between like a lightning channel and what looks a lot like liquid with like a federation. And it's really cool. I think that liquid launched and exists and happened like so early in what I think is going to be a history of like a long history of like sidechain and like sidechain projects basically. And liquid was there first and it was there like way like eons before anyone else is gonna get there. And um, I think it might, I, I think we're still waiting to see like big liquid adoption and like the use case for it. Um, blockchain has been launching a lot of really cool like financial products that are tokenized on liquid and hopefully that'll like, I think make it take off more. We've seen a lot more cool projects like trying to port Uniswap over with, um, I think Bitmatrix has a project that's kind of like Uniswap that lets you trade assets on liquid um, kind of trustlessly in a similar like decentralized exchange thing. So um, I think those things like haven't taken out clearly they're not as popular as like the Uniswaps of, on ETH and whatever. Um, but I just think it's cool that like liquid got there first. And I don't think anyone really understands what it means to have a Bitcoin side chain. Like I feel like it's underappreciated.
Some of the hard parts about Lightning are around allocation of Bitcoin. So if, if not enough Bitcoin, so like there's only so much Bitcoin that exists in the world. And then for Lightning, you need a certain portion of that Bitcoin to commit itself to participating in Lightning Network and like helping move money around. And if the people who want to move money around, if there's not enough liquid Bitcoin in the Lightning system, uh, one or two things are going to happen. Either, um, well, people will either buy Bitcoin and then put it in it, right? Either like more Bitcoin will start moving over or another asset that can transmit volume and doesn't have as much like limited supply as Bitcoin um, will start to get committed to the Lightning Network. So Lightning will continue to grow as a technology, but it won't be necessarily Bitcoin backed. It'll be backed by something else that isn't Bitcoin. Because, wait, 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 slow down. So, yeah. Wait, so, so say that again slower, because I'm really slow. So, oh. you said, so you said that 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 if we don't have enough Bitcoin on the Lightning Network, yeah. basically, then, then there's it, too is much, that enough? There's not, okay, if there's ahead. too much demand for usage of Lightning as like a technology, right? Of like how to quickly exchange like, like value over like basically like peer-to-peer -peer exchange of value um, in a fast way, which is basically what Lightning is. Um, if neither party has enough like access to Bitcoin to be able to transact with it over Lightning, then my prediction, and this is like totally- No, go cost. for it, yeah, go yeah. for it. My prediction is that Lightning will expand to include other assets that aren't Bitcoin, but that are more accessible because Bitcoin is like too rare and too hard to get a hold of. So- Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So, so it would basically, you'd be able like to hold these other assets on the- But it would be, the way you would transact would still be through Lightning. It just wouldn't be Bitcoin that you're transacting over Lightning. Would the, I guess, would those assets be is denominated the right word? Yeah. In Bitcoin? No, probably not. It would probably be like, uh, I don't know, like a stable coin or something. Gotcha. Okay. So you'd be transacting with some stable coin that you have access to because there's a lot of stable coins and they just exist. And someone has figured out a way to like make lightning work such that the value of the asset that you're trading with lightning is a stable coin. Interesting. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that. Are you, do people talk about that? No, this is a, this is a Lisa original. Wow. Wow, that's amazing, Lisa. Yeah. That's really amazing. Maybe, I don't know. It's a no, thought. it's a thought, but it's like one of those things where you like, yeah, that makes sense. It does make sense, yeah. It makes total sense. So what do you think could, because uh, we don't want that, right? Like, or do we want that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what want and desire is. I feel like this. me as a Bitcoiner doesn't don't want doesn't want that. But you but, own Bitcoin, right? Yeah. So you're a holder. So you will probably never reach a point where you don't have enough Bitcoin to participate in the Lightning Network as a Bitcoiner. I wouldn't feel comfortable putting that much on. That's the problem, right? That's the whole problem. That's why you end up with something that's not Bitcoin on Lightning. Because the technology is great. The ability to transact across time and space in a decentralized manner is really amazing. The nice thing about having Bitcoin as like the original Rails system for it is that Bitcoin is all those things in decentralized. Like the nice thing about Bitcoin is that it makes Lightning really today live up to the dream of being able to transact decentralized manner with anyone you want. Um, without anyone's permission. And Bitcoin and Lightning 100% achieves that and will continue to achieve that. And I don't see that ever changing. Um, I think Lightning as a technology though is too good and too valuable <laughs> to stay Bitcoin only. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. Yeah. But I think like as soon as you start talking about other assets, being exchanged and like transmuted over lightning then it's like i think then you do run into like is it as decentralized is it whatever who are you getting oh yeah yeah about? of course we'll have that conversation in yeah. the community when that time comes but yeah. the fact that um yeah i didn't even realize that was yeah. a possibility that's yeah. interesting but it's a weird thought to think that someday lightning as an industry won't just be like within the bitcoin community isn't it yeah, it is like. Oh man, maybe that's like that's a little like racy, like a little bit of a like hey, a provocative. I, hey, thing. it's a provocative <laughs> statement, but you know, it's uh, it's a necessary one. I feel like so that way everybody knows like 
what's going on? Like, and, well, and yeah. people, people that listen to this podcast are probably just lightning developers, you know? Probably. Oh no. Oh no. Am I going to get myself <laughs> <in trouble? laughs> no. We, we can take that. We can take all that out if you want. Okay. Just joking. No, I you think it's provocative. We should put provocative things I, in there. I, yeah. I really think like, <laughs> like, so far, I think like, like you said earlier, you're really like hyper-focused on what you're doing and you, you, you are unlike other lightning developers I know where you're so hyper-focused on what you're doing and you don't stop to look around. But by you doing that, you create some original insights that no one else sees, right? And so when you when you bring those out into the public, like to me, you're just like blowing my mind. I'm like, whoa, where did this come from? But it came from you like just being hyper-focused in what you're doing. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, but that's kind of like, I've always been good at that, if that makes sense. Cool. Yeah. That's your superpower. Yeah, it's my superpower, exactly. Totally your superpower. Like, I do lightning stuff as like a side gig, you know, a superpower. <laughs> my night is like, yeah. <laughs>